Good evening, everyone. How's everyone feeling? Good. I'm just going to jump right into it. Uh, Susie uh, gave me a good introduction. My name is Myung Hwa Choi. I'm from a Hongdae campus of New Philadelphia Church. That is all. Okay. <laughs> uh, recently, I went on a trip to um, Philippines, and uh, I met a bunch of pastors on the trip. And uh, one of the pastors that I met there asked me a question. And that question actually has been bothering me uh, for about a month. So I'm just going to start with this question. I'm going to re-ask you the same question that I got, okay? Let me see if I can, you know, have you guys answer. So he asked me, I don't know him that well, okay? But I guess I was talking about North Korea and stuff like that. So he, he goes, do you believe reunification of Korea is God's will? And to that, my answer was a confident yes. Would you guys say that it's God's will? It's God's promise? Oh, very uh, shy yes, yes here. But you know, do you believe unification of Korea is God's will? And I gave him a yeah. Yeah. Very confident yes. And he moved on to ask me, how do you know that reunification is God's will? What made you believe that it's God's will? And at that question... He, pre- he found me off guard, totally, right? So I was pretty much dumbfounded, and I gave him an answer, which I'm not going to tell you, uh, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what I wished I answered him with. Um, and I actually have been thinking a lot about this. So I want you guys to just, you know, turn on your brain. Don't go into the autopilot. You know, I'm going to take some notes and go home mode, but actually let's use our brains to think together. But I want to clarify that I'm not the smartest person in this room. I'm not the most articulate person in this room either. My English is not the best. I am a Korean native. Uh, And so I'm going to just ask you guys to just, you know, not be so critical. Okay, I'm not no uh, reunification or North Korea specialist. I did not study that. I studied English education, okay? Uh, And I am here to start off your heart to really be set on that journey. You know, why do I believe why I, why, why do I believe what I believe? You know, why do I believe that it's God's promise? You know, I've been coming out to join prayer meeting week, I mean, not week, month in, month out, you know, 12 times a year, spending all these precious Saturday nights here, you know, just to pray for stuff that I don't really believe in, you know? Do I really believe in it? Ask yourself, you know, do I think that that's God's will? And if I do, why do I think that? How did I get convinced? You know, when did I have that conviction? You know, start to think about those things. So, you know, I'm not really much of a deep thinker, to be honest. So thinking about the answers to this question has been a difficult journey, but I would like to share some of the uh, insights and perspectives that I was able to gain. So I also asked my friends, uh, my friends from New Philadelphia Church that's been coming out to join prayer meeting consistently. I asked about a dozen people the same set of questions. You know, hey, do you believe the unification of Korea is God's will? And most of them said, confident, yeah, of course. And I asked them, why do you believe that? Or why are you convinced of it? What made you believe it? They were all like, uh, I don't know. Or, uh, because I heard so, so so-and-so said so, you know, I was told so. So these are some of the creative answers that I got. See if some of these match your answers, okay? And by the way, you can talk and laugh here, okay? So help me out here, okay? Many spiritual leaders that I respect strongly believe it, so I kind of followed their opinions. 
good answer, right? Uh, there are current events and signs that are leading and pointing to it. Good answer, right? For the people of North Korea to be free from the idolatry and the oppression or the injustice. Very good. Korea was won originally and God hates division. Uh, God has overarching end time purpose for Korea. And for that to happen, it has to be reunited. Smart, smart person. Uh, for the effective reaching of China, wasn't a Chinese person though, and the, and the further uh, the Middle East area. So this was one of the answers. But a lot of people actually gave me honest answer of I was told so. I didn't really think about it. I need to think about it more. Those were the honest answers that I got. So I don't know what you guys are thinking. Is your will turning? Are you guys thinking about your own answers? Uh, I think just answering this question has a great value. You know, it's really gonna, as you think about it, uh, not to, you know, make a nice presentation to other people or to, to prove your point or bring a nice argument, but just for your own good. You know, if you are going to keep coming out to prayer meetings like this, the stronger your faith and your conviction gets, I believe the stronger and more effective your prayers are going to be. You know, if you're going to pray, might as well pray with a strong faith. You know, if you're going to say that you believe it, might as well believe it with all of your heart, being able to articulate why you believe it and how you came to that place of faith. And it's different question, let me clarify, than being asked, why do you think reunification should happen? Why do you think it's good? Those two are completely do two different questions. Then I could have given my nice presentation of, or oh, it's because of the injustice happening in North Korea, economic, geopolitical, international, di diplomatic benefits we get from the reunification, humanitarian you know, relief that's going to happen, the families reuniting, all these nice answers I would have been able to give. But... We don't pray for reunification just because we think it's good for Korea. I think, or because in my opinion and through my research, that I think it's the best scenario for Korea's future. You know, the Bible teaches us in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus teaches us um, how should we pray, disciples ask, and how, what does Jesus answer? I mean, it's a long prayer, but may your kingdom come, right? And may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do we believe that? That's, that's the teaching of Jesus, right? And we don't want to pray according to our um, interpretation of the situation or our preference or my smart analysis of the current events or my will. We want to pray according to God's will. Amen? And, you know, if you've been coming out to join prayer meeting, I would like to believe that you are passionately and tenaciously praying for unification because you believe it's God's will, not just because Susie tells you to do so. You know, I mean, she's got some authority and she's single and ready to mingle too. <laughs> so if you want to impress her, you better do that. But, you know, that's not the reason why we pray. You know, I really hope that you guys feel that, man, it is God's will. And I have the conviction and I have the faith in the matter. So, you know, if you are new to join prayer meeting, I don't want to push my agenda or even join prayer meeting, praying group's agenda on you. So feel free to, you know, think for yourself. You know, feel free to search through the scriptures, read some news, and come up with your own, I guess, belief. 
So I'm not here trying to throw this on you, put it on you, but I would like to take you on a journey at least. Uh, now let's talk about why we are or why I am convinced of this. So when I say will of God, that's like a huge term, right? So when I say will of God, I mean two things. I mean two things. So when I say I think unification is God's will, that means I believe that he wants to do it. God wants to, right? It's his will that means he wants to do the reunification. And also it implies that I believe he will do it. Because it's his will, right? So it, it, it involves, it's twofold. He, his desire and his, uh, I guess, course of action in the future. So when I say I believe God's will is reunification, that means I believe that God wants it and he's going to do it, right? Those two things. So, you know, all my friends gave me wonderful answers. And these were all great, uh, actually great contributions to uh, putting together my uh, message, actually. Some answers are better than others. But if you allow me to just speak into the process, and I really believe that this really boils down to one, one thing. It's, it's this. Hope you like it. Because of the revelations. That's it. It's according to why do you believe the reunification is God's will? It's because of the revelations that we are given. According to what God has revealed to us so far. I'm not saying he revealed everything to us, every mystery to us. But as a community that's been praying over five years, seeking his face on this matter. And I think there's no better community for God to reveal his secrets regarding reunification to. And I believe that he's been little by little leading us, guiding us, giving us insights, giving us prayer points. We've been led by the spirit to this point. So because God has revealed it to us, we believe it. And it's, multi, it's, it's actually multiple layers. So I'm going to try to unpack uh, what I mean by the revelations. But, you know, just first of all, you, do you guys know that God is a God that reveals himself to us? Do you know that uh, none of you found God? It's actually God revealed himself to you, right? None of us found or discovered the truth, right? It's the gospel, the truth was revealed to us through the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, so he reveals himself even to non-believers, believe it or not. You know, Romans chapter 1 talks about how everyone, everyone knows the creator, you know, they have no excuse of denying the creator because they see the glory of the nature and the creation, right? So through that, God reveals his, himself as a creator even to non-believers, right? Without the Holy Spirit. I mean, it is a work of the Holy Spirit, but to those who do not possess the Holy Spirit, right? And even to um, like Muslims and all these like countries in the Middle East, they, to them, Jesus chooses to reveal himself in dream, he just shows up in their dreams in white robes and says, I am Jesus. You should believe in me. And there is eternal life in me, in my name. You know, that's his way, his way of choosing to reveal himself to his people. So that's just God's business, right? The Holy Spirit is always engaged in the business of revealing himself to his people and to the entire human beings, right? So whether you like it or not, he's doing it even right now. He's revealing himself to us. You know, you guys came out to John prayer meeting or even Sunday services at your church, and you hear the preacher talk about God. That's also a form of revelation 
from Him revealed to you. So at every joint prayer meeting, God is revealing Himself to you little by little. It's like peekaboo, you know? Like gakung, man. <laughs> you know? Here, a glimpse of it. And then you just got to steward it. And the next month you come out, He reveals more of His heart. And He breaks your heart with His heart. You know, and then you weep without knowing why. And then you wonder, why did I cry so much at joint prayer meeting? It's because God is revealing himself to you constantly and faithfully. You know, Jesus said that while he was doing ministry, that he did not do anything. He only did what the Father was doing, right? And do you know that through the Holy Spirit, us, now we are adopted into his family. We are now his children. And as children, as his children, we ought to do things that the Father is doing. We got to know what the Father is doing as well, right? So I'm not saying we know everything and every single plan, step A to B to C, whatever. But God loves revealing himself, his will, his plan, his heart to his children. So if you feel like you need to beg for it, that's a wrong mindset right there. He loves to, he wants to reveal his heart to you. And we've been on that journey already. So that's what I meant by because of the revelations. He's been revealing to us what his plans are, what his will is, what he wants to do in this nation. We've been faithfully stewarding this. If you are visiting, welcome to join prayer meeting. You entered into a great group of prayer warriors. Yeah. <laughs> and now I said earlier that there are multiple layers of what has been revealed to us. So what's been revealed to you? What's been revealed to me? What's been revealed to us? You know, my heart is to really strengthen what you already know, because I'm sure some of you already have a great collection of your own revelations regarding this topic of reunification. But my really heart is to add to your treasury of revelations tonight. So I hope to do so. Uh, so let's unpack the layers. The first layer is very simple. God has revealed to us his character. Everyone say his character. Through the word of God, God has revealed to us who he is and what his character is. You know, if you know a person, you know the character, the personality of the person, right? If you know me, you know my wonderful characteristics, right? You don't? <laughs> Come on, you don't? <laughs> and you know it, right? Uh, but if you know, if you get to know God through his word, God also has characteristics. He has personality. His character is revealed to us. He's a just God. Merciful, he's compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. God is God who forgives, he redeems, he restores, he reconciles, he loves unity. You know, we all know about this character of God. God who hates idolatry. God who hates injustice. We know about this, you know. I mean, of course, we have limited understanding of his character. However, whatever has been revealed to us through his word, we are responsible to apply that. In our walk. So, for example, losing some of you, so let me give you an example. Um, in prayer, if you read Old Testament, a lot of times I wonder, man, these men of God are crazy. So, for example, like Abraham, or like a lot of prophets actually that had conversations with God, it's written in the Bible, right? A lot of times their conversation looks like this God, you are just and you're merciful, so you really shouldn't be doing this. And that's how, the, how that conversation goes, right? They tell him how wonderful and awesome, how powerful and gracious they are, right? I mean, not they are. Gracious God is. And then they go, so therefore, doing this doesn't look good on you. 
If you read your Bibles, you guys caught conversations like this multiple times. That's how the prophets of God talk to God. God, this is your character. I know that that's your character. So based on these things, you really shouldn't destroy the city. I'm telling you right now, God, it's going to look really bad on you. You know, you don't want a bad line on your resume. Come on. You know, that's how they converse with the Lord. And I totally agree that this should be our prayer. You know, God has revealed his character to us. Then yeah, leverage that. You know, tell him who he is. And in the light of that, you, we, we got to apply God's character in this topic of reunification. So when I do that, okay, God is compassionate. God is loving. He's merciful. He's just. He loves justice. He hates idolatry. All these things. Put that together. And when I look at North Korea situation and divided nation, oh, what's the answer? Come on, reunification. Reunification. Based on God's character, revealed character of God. And I really think that it makes sense for God to reunite Korea. And second, second layer of um, the revelation that I think is, uh, it's the gospel. Everyone say the gospel. I love the gospel. Because gospel is all about like the worst to the best. You know, it doesn't go from me mediocre to decent, you know? It goes from the worst to the best, right? It has the power to turn the ugliest to the most beautiful. You know, the most broken to entirely whole. You know, gospel doesn't do a halfway, 70% walk, work, oh my, work, okay? It always goes from the worst to the best, and I love that about the gospel. Division to complete unity and oneness. Anger to forgiveness. Bitterness into reconciliation. You know, like complete opposite things just meant that's the power of the gospel. Redemption of all things through Christ Jesus. So when I know the truth of the gospel and I apply that revealed truth to the situation that I see in Korean Peninsula, division I see, hatred I see, brokenness I see, injustice I see. If I apply the power of the gospel, what I get as the answer is really the reunification. It totally makes sense, not because I think that's right, but because of the revelation that's been given to me. Because I know what gospel is about. It's been revealed to us, so it's now up to us to steward that in our even view of reunification. I have a smart, smart congregation here. I was so afraid that everyone was going to be lost by this point, okay? So praise God. Um, third point, third layer. This is, um, I believe, what's really powerful. Uh, it's individual or corporate revelation that we receive regarding Korea. Individual or corporate revelation we receive regarding Korea. So the, the question that the pastor asked me, he actually had this line in his question. Okay, he wasn't trying to be mean to me. I know that. Uh, I wasn't offended by his question, but he actually, when he asked me, what, what made you believe that? It's not like there's a promise written about it in the Bible. That's what he said. And that's actually what really like sort of poked me. And I kept thinking about um, how, how can I fight back, you know? But not like, <laughs> how can I, um, man, really? Yeah, there is no verse about North Korea, South Korea. There is no Bible verse about Korea to begin with, right? So I was thinking, oh, I mean, you have a point, but 
you know, I kept saying this over and over again. So you guys, you know, we are responsible for what God has revealed to us. So that means you're responsible for what God has revealed to you, right? So even tonight, what I'm revealing to you, you're responsible for this. So, so wake up, wake up. Uh, <laughs> and I just want to say this uh, from the get-go. We might be wrong, right? Is that true? We might be wrong. We could be totally off. You could be off. <laughs> you know, we may be totally wrong, but we are still responsible for for what we've heard. You know what I'm saying? So we could be totally off or tricked even or deceived, but we're still, we got to still take the moves and actions according to what we believe we heard from the Lord. It's on us. So for example, easy example is Abraham, okay? So when God showed up, right? And then told Abraham, leave your home and everything that's comfortable and go to the land that I'm going to show you. It's a very, very famous um, story. And, and Abraham might have doubted, did I hear God right? Don't you think so? It's like the first time human being ever like hears the voice of God like that, right? Oh, am I wrong? Anyways, whatever. You know, like, so Abraham might have like been confused or is it really God? Or you know, he might have doubted, right? And, you know, you might be thinking, but it's written in the, the, written in the Bible. Come on, Abraham didn't have a Bible, by the way, okay? <laughs> he didn't have a copy of the Bible. That's before Bible. And it's because he took the steps according to the revelation that was given to him that he made into the Bible, okay? So now we have it in written. It's written promise to us because Abraham took action and he actually did it. He stewarded the revelation God gave to him. You know, we don't know who was around him, you know, accountability partner or like wife, you know, someone who will confirm to him, yeah, you, you actually heard him because I heard it too. You don't know. We don't know about that. It could have been just literally him and God. And God just told him to do it and he just did it because he had to be responsible for what he heard, right? So Abraham did and praise God, his story made it into the Bible. That's awesome. And in the same way, characters in the Bible, the Old, Old Testament states especially, they did not possess the written promises of God. I think we need to really think about that. They did not have the copy of a Bible. It's before, right? Um, so a lot of times, promises of God, the will of God, was revealed to the people of God in that context in their personal or even corporate revelation through dreams, through, through supernatural encounters, through sometimes a leader, or through like a prophet, right? Think about Moses. When he first heard a call from God about leading Israelites out of, out, out of Egypt, right? How did he hear that? Burning bush. Anybody seen a burning bush before? No? Huh? Never seen that? Really? You know, Moses saw the burning bush. It was a personal encounter. I don't think there was nobody else but him. It was a personal encounter. It was a revelation that was very personal to him that ended up in the liberation of the entire Israelites out of Egypt, right? Think about um, Joseph, my favorite character in the Bible. Joseph, he had a dream. 
Can anybody verify a dream? No. Yeah, I saw the eye movement during the night, and it looked like you were having that. Yeah, such a dream. I, I. No, it's a very personal thing again, right? Joseph's dream at a. He was a very immature young man as well, who was not quite able to steward such huge dream. You know, of his like brothers and his parents bowing to him. He really wasn't. Even David, King David later, uh, through a prophet, Prophet Samuel came and anointed him in front of just his families, right? Um, blah, blah, blah. But what I'm trying to say is they received all these revelations not through like a per se written word or like a scripture, but through personal experiences, Holy Spirit encounters, through a prophet or through a leader. So they actually heard so. Some of them, it applies to them as well. And all of them, all these men of God, were responsible to steward what's been revealed to them. And luckily, they all, I mean, thankfully, they all did. They all stewarded, and they all followed what's been revealed to them. So here's what I'm trying to get at. Let's not put God in a box and tell him that this is how you ought to speak to us. And that's the only way we're going to receive revelation from you. In the ways that we approve. And other ways we won't accept. And I think that's a mindset that we really need to confront. So I tried to explain a little bit of prophetic history of joint prayer meeting. You know, there, I have no time to summarize and explain all of that. So, you know, if you are new, I apologize, but try to ask other, other leaders and pastors here. But we have a very rich history of how God has spoken to us to pray certain directions. And we did, and we saw the prayer answered. You know, so we believe that we are really participating in the move of God regarding reunification in North Korea, the work being done. Uh, but I honestly say my words were not taken seriously. Because God told us so, didn't work. Yeah, uh, because we, you know, it's just, it just didn't work. You know, it just didn't give me the credit, you know, to be able to be strong about my argument. But I am just among us, you know, I don't want us to be shy or ashamed of our prophetic history. And I want us to really be able to say with confidence, hey, God speaks to us. He's been leading us. He's been revealing what he wants to do to this praying community. And if anything, we should continue to ask for more. And, you know, if I was God, I'm not God, but if I were to be him, I would love to pour revelations upon such community like this. We come in, we give him, you know, with everything. We just have powerful worship time. We just go at it, you know, God. This is what we want. We seek your face. Would you let us know how you feel about these matters, you know? And why would God be like, nope. <laughs> if anything, he will want to give us more. And I really believe that he's going to continue to give us more. More strategy, more wisdom, more insights. We need those things, you know, how to go about this issue. You know, we really need to continue to get more of the revelation. But don't get me wrong. 
Uh, I love order. I'm a choleric, so I love orderly things. You know, I'm not saying oh, any self-claimed prophet will come and say whatever they want to say. We're going to just receive it. Oh, revelation, more revelation. Not saying that at all. I'm talking about people that are mature, humble, submitted to authority in a healthy community coming and contributing to steward the revelation that is with us right now. That's what I'm talking about, okay? Building and continuing with this Man, awesome journey of just seeing what God is revealing to us step by step. Not all at once, not too slow. It's like God is so good at like, what's that? Like, like playing, what? Hard to get? That's not right. Push and pull. There you go. He's like so good at that. He just knows when to like release something and when to sort of withhold. And he just knows us so well. I think this is a wonderful and beautiful journey. And I think there is a fear as well. Uh, I think there was a little bit of fear creeping in as I was talking about it uh, with a bunch of them, actually. And I was like the only female there. And I was trying to talk, you know, passionately about it. But then the fear was creeping in. But what if I am wrong, man? What if this never happens, you know? What if I'm wrong? But even if we are wrong, I think, I really think it's fine. <laughs> it's because I mean I hate being wrong okay <laughs> it's just per part of me I hate being wrong uh, but I was really thinking about God what if I'm really wrong you know a bunch of all of us what if we're really off about this but I felt like I was saying you know how you pray for your unsaved father so I have family I, I'm the only Christian in my family and I I personally believe that my parents need to come to Christ through me, and they will be. That's what I believe. That's my personal conviction. So I pray for them, right? And I felt like God was just like sort of using that as an analogy to explain how he will feel about us being wrong. You know, what if my, my dad is never uh, predestined to be saved? I'm a Calvinist, so. You know, what if my, my God has no intention to save my dad, and I'm just praying every single day, God, save my father, save my father, I believe, I believe. And then let's say I get old and uh, granny, and then I go to heaven, and then I see Jesus and say, well, why didn't my dad get saved? And God tells me, that was never my will, right? But then I don't think he's going to be like, you stupid fool. You spent all that time praying for your dad when that's never going to get saved. He's never going to do that to me. I think he's going to be, if anything, be pleased with my faith and my love for my father. You believed until the end. I think he's going to be proud of me for that, number one. And I think, number two, he's going to be proud of my love for my father. Same thing. Let's say reunification, never, whatever. You know, maybe it's not God's will. But still, I believe God's going to look at us. Oh, man, my children, faithful, passionate, powerful, faith-filled. I think he will feel so proud as a father. And also our love for the brothers and sisters in the north, he's going to commend us for that. Man, you love them. Even when they were not lovable, until the end, you love them. So just, I mean, what if we're wrong? You know, I'd rather have faith in what I believe, what I heard from the Father, than play safe because of the fear of being wrong. So let's continue in our faith. And I think what God is revealing to the wider body of Christ regarding Korea and its destiny is pretty clear. 
Reason why I say this is earlier, Pastor Susie was talking about like LKs and DKs and all the Ks. So everybody here is Korean, right? All the Ks. I, I, I always ask, like, why are you even here? Especially the D, DKs. This is the land that your parents wanted to leave, okay? The land of kimchi, okay? They wanted to go to the land of steaks, and then they did. <laughs> why are you back in the land of kimchi? I don't get it. The American dream, the Canadian dream, whatever. I don't know if anyone had the Canadian dream, but they <laughs> all had dreams to leave this country, okay? And they spent, you know, they really had to work hard to make it there. And then the children say, I'm going to go back to the land of kimchi. What? Why are you here? You know, Pastor Susie said that's exactly right. Who can force you to love a country? Yeah, who can do that? You have to love Colombia. <laughs> yeah, who does that? And you cannot be forced like that, you know? And I really, um, and bigger question is, all the foreigners here, my wh- white folks and black folks and everybody here <laughs> that are um, LKs, why are you here? This is the only country in the entire world that is in the war status. I don't know if you guys know that, okay? Technically, you just entered a country that's in a war, okay? And what are you doing here? I mean, student loans important to pay off, but, you know, I, so, I sometimes wonder, this tiny nation that you, it's so hard to find on a map. Oh, why are all these people flocking to this tiny nation, all these, you know, I just don't get it. And I can't explain it. I really think, I mean, yeah, some credit to the K-pop. I know some of you are here because of that. But um, more than that, man, I really think it's God. It's God. He's really calling people into this nation. And it's not just going to like America and just the diaspora, but I've met people from all over the world. I'm talking about like random, most random countries. And their churches pray for reunification of Korea. Don't you have enough things to pray for your own nation? I'm sure they do. But they do pray for reunification. And I heard from a friend's friend that a church in Germany, they fervently, they pray for, obviously they share a similar history. They pray for us. And my Filipino pastors, they say, I, we pray for uh, uh, the reunification of Korea regularly. And I was like, what? Who told you to do that? <laughs> you know, who told you to do that? You know, but it's like, it's like the call to pray for Korea went out to nations and churches of the nations. It's not like they listen to the same preacher. You know, it's not like they listen to the same podcast and the person told us to do so. You know, I just don't get it. It cannot be explained. It's really God highlighting this time in this country right now. And all these major missions and prayer organizations that I will not name names, but all, all these yeah, they, why, I don't know why they're highlighting Korea so much and talk about reunification so much. Um, prophetic ministers, they're all talking about Korea and Korea's future. They're so excited about it. And, you know, some, just to summarize, like two-minute summary of what I've been experiencing, what I've been doing this past few months. This past summer, I went to a, a camp where uh, people gather South Korean kids, North Korean kids, and lovers of Korea, and they put together a camp. That's really to minister to the, uh, the defectors, the young defectors from North Korea, and to really help them and raise them up as God's leaders, right? So I saw how the defectors, how there are people committed to minister to them, 
right? The, to, to care for them and to train them up. So that was really amazing. And then I went on all these different trips that I thought had nothing to do with North Korea, but it all had something to do with North Korea. So I was really amazed. I uh, went to the border area, and then I met all these uh, NK missionaries and the entire community there that really support them. We earlier prayed about them and for them as well. And who the businesses into North... It, so we talk a lot about underground work, right? At John Prayer meetings, like humanitarian, like rescuing the refugees out, defectors, you know, into all the stuff. But these are the people that do uh, overground, above ground work, above ground work, through businesses, humanitarian work, education, uh, all these things, right? I met a bunch of people that are committed to do that for a lifetime. And I went on another vision trip. So uh, Pastor Suji talked about it, but like, you know, like North Korea is right here. And then we're trying to go from south up. And there are a bunch of people that came from all over the world. There are like Japanese missionary couple there. Women like German missionary people there. Like people from Europe all over the place. And then they're trying to reach North Korea from north down, you know, so it's like from all directions, God is already mobilizing people to do that. It's not just us trying to go up. There are people trying to come down and we're going to eventually meet, right? Man, we're going to meet in the middle, right? And, uh, I went on a vision trip with a major, uh, worldwide, uh, children's relief NGO. And I found out that they have contracted already over 130 Korean mega churches, uh, to, do church plants the moment it opens up. So they already started uh, raising up the fund. 130 major churches. If I name some of them, you will know at least half. No, actually, no. Some of you will know, recognize a lot of the names. Uh, hun- they are planning on doing like over 500 church plants the moment it opens up. And they're going to open up children's center that they're going to feed the children. And through children, they're going to reach the families. That's the strategy that they have. They are already recruit. They've recruited and they are already training up teachers professionally counseling skills, how to deal with the orphan spirits and things like that. Those things are already happening, right? And I was really shocked to hear about 20-something of those mega church pastors of Korean mega churches. They have already taken a trip to Germany to learn the strategy and the wisdom from the pastors that have gone through the reunification in Germany. That's something that we, I think, long time ago prayed for the exchange of wisdom, but God is already doing it. It's already happening, guys. And how many times do we pray for South Korean churches to be ready? For church plants, for children's programs, for orphanages. But this organization already got on it, and they have the funds and the human resources that are working on it. I was really amazed. I did not expect that. Because I thought this trip had nothing to do with North Korea, right? I went to the Philippines. So, and then this past summer, I got to see, you know, I got to attend the Empower Conference. That's also a conference that gathers a lot of foreigners in the city of Seoul. And it's all about how to reach North Korea, how to go about reunification. And I attended, and I got to witness a conf- uh, like the Chongyun Young Adults Conference that was simultaneously happening. One day, one Korea. A bunch of Korean Chongyans that are on fire for Jesus. All they do, they come and they just cry out for reunification. By, you know, one day, one Korea. That's the title of their gathering, right? And also, uh, we also, all the English ministries. And so we did a gathering last year called One Voice, One Korea. Do you guys remember? Right? 
So men in names are also similar. It must be the same Holy Spirit or lack of creativity. <laughs> But what I'm trying to say is this cannot be one person's agenda or the it thing for the church right now. I really am convinced that God is really readying us for the unification. And God is readying the Korean church. And you got to look around and see what God is already doing. They are receiving revelations, you know. They are downloading God's plans already. And anyways, moving on. The fourth layer of revelation that I want to talk about is something that requires a little bit of studying. So some of us here may not be familiar with a lot of things. I'm also a student of it. It's actually historical signs. Uh, I did not want to call it circumstantial signs because it, you know, it gets a little tricky, not going to get into that, but historical signs. And I really love reading about the revival history of Korea. Um, so I'm just going to give you, if you are new to Korean church history or the recent history, I'm just going to ask you to write down these numbers. Like if you're taking notes, or else you're going to get lost, I guarantee. So write down these numbers, and I'm going to try to explain what the flow of it is, okay? Write down 1907. Oh, some of you know what it is. 1907. The line below that, write down 1910. Next, 1919. 1919. Right below that, 1945. Next, 1948. Next, 1950. Next, 1986. Just kidding. That's my birth year. Just kidding. <laughs> You guys are such good students. <laughs> Just kidding. So 1950, that's the end of it. <laughs> 1907, what year is that? <laughs> It's the great, the Pyongyang Great Revival. So write that down, please. The Pyongyang Great Revival. I don't have too much time to get into it, but I hope that you guys know some. It's just a great revival that happened in Pyongyang, okay? Uh, 1910, uh, that's actually the year that Japanese colonial period began. So Japan took over Korea. Japanese colonial, colonialization. You can write that down, 1910. 1919, you can write down March 1st movement. 3.1절. 3일 운동? Yeah. 3일, yeah, 3.1 movement. And then uh, 1945, that's the year of liberation. 광복, liberation. Um, 48, to keep it simple, just write down division. That's when both governments were established in South and North. Then lastly, 1950, painful year for Korea. That was Korean War breaking out. Three years of devastating war. So that's called 6.25, June 25th, Korean War. So that's like the pretty much basic um, breakdown of the recent history of Korea. And there is a lot of uh, meat that you can draw out of it. And I will try to do it as fast as possible. 
um, if you can do some math for me, Japan's colonialization, how long was that period? 35 years. Could you guys write that down? 35 years of Japan's colonial period, right? 1910 to 1945. Also, um, it's a little bit more difficult. From division to present to today, how many years has that been? Somebody smart. 67. It's been 67 years since the Korea has been officially divided into South and North. So division of Korea, it's been 67 years. So if you add those numbers up, how many years is that? It's over 100 years of demonic attacks and oppression, I believe, to kill the destiny of Korea. Under Japanese colonialization, Korea could not thrive. Obvious reasons I will explain further. The vision of Korea, you cut the nation in half, crippled, the, the country cannot fulfill its God-given destiny. Do you guys agree? And I also believe that this wasn't just to kill the destiny of Korea in its like natural way, but it's been a Christian persecution. Japanese colonialization, it pretty much killed the legacy and the momentum of the Great Pyongyang Revival. It was three years after the revival, and it completely killed it because Japan, Japanese people disallowed the worship of God, and they forced their own religion, which is Shintoism, on Korea, right? It was to kill and remove the legacy of the Pyongyang revival. And after we were freed from Japan, immediately three years later, uh, the division of South and North happened to, again, kill the legacy and so that nothing could flow uh, into this, I guess, flow through this peninsula. And I really think that... Um, you know, if you study church history, there's really no other persecution like this in the church history ever. You know, uh, a lot of times it's few years of intense, sporadic, uh, uh, intense persecution, even under like Roman Empire, even in some, you know, you think about all the major famous um, persecutions in the history. Nothing was like more than three to five years, to be honest. And then um, if you even look at the Bible, the period of, of like people being under idol-worshipping countries, like exiles and things like that. In the book of Judges, it was like 10 years, 20 years. I think at most 40 years. And then uh, I think kingdom of Judah was under Babylon for 70 years. That's the longest the people of God have suffered under such intense persecution. And look at Korea. How many years has this been? I really think that... It, I'm not just making this up. 103 years of oppression and demonic attacks, of not being able to thrive in its identity as Korea, as one nation. You know, this clearly I can see. And it, the, the moment, when did it start? 1907, the revival. It's spreading to the whole nation. And there you go. Boom. You know, it's just got major hits. You know, and that's not the only, only thing. The colonialism... Uh, and also the division of Korea, but also right after, three years, a couple years later, war. Korean war has been known as one of the worst and most uh, life-killing. Uh, they they lo lost so many lives. You know, Korean war, the, the death count is really, really, really high. And it wasn't just <sighs> war between like, two different like nations or peoples. You know, they were killing pretty much their own brothers and sisters. You know, people from their own, like, country, you know, from the same people group. And so, to show some examples, but okay, my, so, the, yeah. The enemy put Korea through colonialism 
division and devastating war, but still, he could not remove the fingerprints of God from Korea. And I'm just going to show you some examples of how true and real Romans 8.28 was in all things. You know, you guys, Romans 8.28, we all love this verse. You know, we know that in all things, everyone say, in all things. And I really think that it's really in all things. When God says in all things, that just means in all things, in everything, right? And so if in light of this nation or what we have gone through, really in all things, God worked for the good of those who love him. And I'm going to show you some examples of how, regardless of this vicious attack Korea has, God has really blessed this nation. Enemy tried to remove Korea's identity. That was the colonialism. Literally, Japan's focus was take, to take away the Korea's culture and the people, their identity, right? So they had to be forced into adopt uh, Japanese names. Uh, they were not allowed to keep their Korean names and their dignity. A lot of people were taken into Japanese army and also Japanese, the comfort women. Uh, that's a huge issue. But the national identity of Korea was severely attacked, literally. And you guys, in 90 after nine years of colonialism, national leaders, actually religious leaders all over the nation, they actually came together to put together a, a, a declaration of independence for Korea. We call it 독립선언서 in Korean. And they pretty much, uh, you know, declare that we are free from Japan. We're, own, we're our own people, blah, blah, blah. All this stuff. They, they drafted it together, and then they all signed it, and they said March 1st as the movement day. So they spread the word. I don't know how they did it. Korea's small enough, but not that small. Every town, everybody got the message that March 1st, we're going to come out with the Taegukki, Korean flag. We're going to run into the, uh, in the main streets and the markets. We're all going to declare 대한민국 만세. Korea, uh, be forever. You know, freedom, uh, over 대한민국. And the moment I say 대한민국 만세, some of you are like smiling. I know you're thinking about the triplets. <sighs> so there's this TV show and they feature, uh, these cute triplets, three boys, and their names are 대한민국 만세. Okay? So if you search for 대한민국 만세, all you see is baby faces, okay? But I really think that though, that's a, I, I wanna see that. That's really God. Storing up the Tamingung Mansa, the freedom over Korea spirit. I really love that everybody's talking about Tamingung Mansa, even though they are referring to just babies. And do you guys know that Song Il-guk, which is uh, their father, who, who, who is their father, Song Il-guk is actually a great grandson of one of the most famous freedom fighters in Korea, Kim Jajin, who fought against Japan during this time. So these Tiamgyung Man said three boys are great, great children of that freedom fighter, Kim Jajin Changgun. I think that's also a little bit of prophetic there, but stop smiling so much. Uh, <laughs> so they all came out with the Korean flag saying, Tiamgyung Man said, Tiamgyung Man said, wearing all white, because that also represents the purity of our blood, purity of our love for the nation and all that. So they all marched out, and then a bunch of people got arrested, obviously. A lot of people died for that. Uh, however, um, and um, so one example I wanted to share from this movement. So actually this movement was led by a bunch of Christian leaders. So 33 people drafted this declaration, right? 16 people were actually Christian leaders. So that's about half of the entire uh, representatives. And I wanted to show you a picture of not one of them. This person is a female, so she couldn't be one of them. But I'm going to show you a picture of Yugansun Yolsa, the freedom fighter. 
Oh, not that person, person. There you go. So that's, so growing up, I called her Yugansun Anni, or you were taught that she was Yugansun Nuna, because she died, she passed away at the age of 18. Younger than us, right? So that's when she was arrested, and uh, she was, I believe, 17. So that's right after the Samir movement, the Tamingo Mansi movement. And she was one of the leaders that were involved, and she was a devout Christian. Uh, and she really believed that um, Korea had to be free. And uh, she, there's a story of like uh, every single morning, she will wake up. Regardless of all the tortures and everything, she will wake up in the morning and she will shout out in the prison cell, 대한민국 만세, 대한민국 만세. And then she's the one that fought for the freedom of country, but she did not see that in her life. Uh, after a year of torture, she actually passed away in the prison. But that spirit, you know, fighting for the freedom of my nation, you know, and not just for the patriot, patriotism, patriotism, but um, really believing that that was really God's will. This nation has to be free. I want to worship my God in my nation. You know, that was really what she was going at it. Uh, many people lost their lives, not just her. Um, and the years passed. People kept dying. And then Japan kept um, cracking down on all these Christians and a lot of religious uh, persecution. And towards the end of their uh, colonialism, actually, it gotten wor- uh, it's actually gotten worse. So 1938, it's one of the very shameful histories uh, that Korean church, Korean pastors don't want to openly share about, especially if they're from Presbyterian denomination. Um, the under such per- severe persecution, I do not want to dis- de- disgrace them publicly, but what happened is what happened. Uh, they actually gathered all the uh, leaders of Presbyterian denomination, which was the majority. They agreed to participate in bowing down to the image of Japanese gods and spirits of war heroes in the Shinto shrines, which in essence is uh, Shinto worship. So they actually made a compromise in our doctrine that it is not again, it's not an idol worship. That's what they agreed on. Uh, so from that point on, but what's so sad is they suffered through 28 years of severe persecution and seven years before the liberation, they made such decision. Uh, they all, all like re- participated in washing ceremony, which is equivalent to baptism to Shinto people. Uh, so there was a compromise that was very sad, um, grievous, but that took place. And those were the Christian leaders of the time. However, at such difficult time when everyone was leaving their faith or compro- compromising in their theology even, uh, there were pastors that rose up and spoke against such um, compromise. And one of them is actually uh, Pastor Chu Gichar, Pastor Chu, Chu Gichar Moksanim, who is well-respected and left a powerful legacy uh, to so many young people in South Korea right now. He is the one that fought until death. He actually lost his position as a pastor because he rose against uh, their agreement that the, it is idol worship. We cannot bow down to the Shinto shrines. And he was one of few. He was in prison three times. Uh, however, he died also in prison in 1944, one year before the liberation of Korea. You know, in, um, you know, in Hebrews chapter 11, there's a verse that talks about those who believed but did not see the, I, won't, I don't want to butcher this, but did not see it even from distance, the promises of God. 
They believed, but they didn't see it being fulfilled. When I read those verses, I think of these heroes. They believed until the end, even though they didn't get to see the fruition. But they left the legacy so that we could see it. For us now, it's history. It's now for us, it's inspiration, you know? So anyways, my point was, even through the Japanese colonialism, these heroes of faith rose up. It gave place for Christian leaders to be an influence over the nations. And that's how God, in a sense, really redeemed their time. And a uh, second thing that happened was, enemy tried to turn Korea into a war-torn ash heap. Pretty much that's what the enemy did. Uh, if you know, North Korea came into South Korea, so most of the war battles took place in the southern part of Korea, which we're living in, right? Everything was devastated. Pretty much there was no building left standing. And now you look at Korea, what do you see? Amazing development, right? It's a beautiful city that's standing in South Korea. Look at the land that never really had those battles happening. How come there is really no, no business going on there, you know? So really God took uh, Korea's even war-torn history into a glorious testimony. People call it the miracle of Han River. Hangang의 기적. I think it's just miracle of God. Come on now. You know, it's just miracle of God. And that's accompanied with the massive church growth that, that took place in the 70s and 80s. Uh, mass salvation through Billy Cram crusades. We already saw some pictures in the past, JPMs, how Yoido was packed out with the new converts. You know, millions coming to Christ, that revival, Yoido full gospel, all these major churches were established right around that time. I think really God's hand was upon this nation. That's the only way to really describe. So even the attempt to kill the nation with the war turned into glorious testimony of a country that's so poor, full of orphans, now giving to other nations. Inspiration for the nations, you know. If you go meet all these pastors from indigenous, like third world countries, quote unquote, they all take Korea's history as like their model. That's what we want. Meet Cambodian pastors, meet Filipino pastors. They all talk about how Korea is their hope. And God, what God has done in Korea, God can do in my nation as well. Man, Romans 8.28 is so true in the history of Korea. And last, I think, blow that really hit Korea hard, that we are still struggling through is uh, cutting the nation, cutting the land, cutting the people into halves. Division happened in 1948. When the first, uh, I'm going to share this with some pictures so that you guys can really see that it's true. When I heard it, I thought somebody made it up. So I had to look at it myself. So I actually looked at the official records and verified it. So you guys appreciate it. Okay. Um, this is the, you can throw up the picture, the page one of the first national assembly record. Okay. I'm talking about the foundation of the government of South Korea, their first meeting the people that are important, they gather. It's a date to announce and um, establish the constitution for South Korea. Do you guys believe it's a big deal? Don't you think it's a big deal, right? It's a like literally foundational day for the history of Korea. And the page one is this. It's all written in uh, Hanja, all Chinese characters. Uh, I know you can't read it, so I did it for you. Uh, it says... The first president, Yi Seung-man, asked the vice chief of the assembly, who was also a pastor, his name is Yi Yun-young, prayed to God to begin the assembly. 
And that's how the nation began its history of foundation and constitution. And the prayer, it's a long prayer, pretty much summary of it is this. We have sinned against you in our poverty, God. And he gives thanks to God three times in elaborated long sentences, giving thanks to our God. And he goes, grant us blessings on our daily living and open up North Korea and let us be the messenger of peace to the world. That's how this nation was founded, upon this prayer. And we cannot forget about the Constitution, the article number three. The third line of our Constitution of South Korea says this, that the territory of Taemingu uh, is the entire Korean peninsula. Did you guys know that? And the islands nearby. So it's not just the dividing line and under. It's actually the entire peninsula. South Korea recognizes as, as our territory. That's why when North Korean refugees come to Korea, they are given the citizenship right away. Why? They were born into our territory. We never abandoned the North and said that they were a different nation. We embraced them. They've always been part of this nation. Never Never once they were a separate country. Article 4, this is the Constitution Article 4. It says we will pursue the peaceful reunification. It's a weighty sentence, guys. We will pursue, not wait around, we will pursue the peaceful, not violent, reunification. It's powerful. And do you guys know Korea's national anthem? I'm almost done. Korea's national anthem. All the, all the South Koreans, raise your hands. Oh, you better know this, okay? Don't let me sing this alone. It's the first line. The first line. Let's sing it together. One, two, three. Back to Sani Marugo Daltoro Hanani Mipohasa Uri Naramanse. Wonderful, thank you. That's the first line of the national anthem. Here you go. It says this until Donghaemul, which is the water of the East Ocean, dries up, until the mountain Pekdu becomes like a level, right? God protects us. Korea shall stand forever. That's the lyrics. But by the way, we all sang the revised version of the of the lyrics. So now we, we, we just say, ha, nunimi, po, hasa, which is like non-religious edited version of the song, which everybody knows it as. But at the beginning, you know, I got the picture through thorough research, okay? That was the original of the lyrics, okay, by the, the person that wrote the song, okay? And it says this, 동해부가 백두산이 마르고 닳도록, Hananimi, which is referring to Christian God, Christian God that we believe, Pohohasa, protecting us. As God is with us, protecting us, Korea shall stand forever. This is the original lyrics. Which country has this? I mean, America is a Christian nation, but did you know that the first line of the national anthem of Korea was a praise to God? This is Chansonga, man. This is a, this is a praise to God. And that's the foundation of this country. Not talking about just south, the entire peninsula. This is our root, guys. So this is the root. 
So under such strong attack, right after the division, Korea still laid the foundation of this entire peninsula on pursuit of peaceful reunification and faith in God. Would you guys agree? Now, let me land here. In light of Romans 8.28, can you imagine, guys? You've got to use your imagination. Once the nation is united, could you imagine how God's going to really turn every ugly thing that happened during the seven decades into a beautiful thing? I'm talking about like not just good, but like so good and very, very good because it's been so bad for such a long time. Could you imagine if you really believe in Romans 8, 28, and you saw the history of how God has turned everything into the good of this nation, could you imagine how much more God has in store to do for us? Is this just a wishful thinking? I don't think so. I really think God's going to blow our mind away with how much he has in store for us. Maybe greater revival than the Pyongyang revival. Because we talk about the glory days, man, but we got to outdo that. And I know Holy Spirit's going to outdo himself for that. Influence the movement into the whole Asian continent. Let's do it. You know, how powerful is that going to be? The pure faith of North Korean church uh, meeting with the resources of the South Korean church. How powerful is that going to be? You know, I want to clarify the reunification. We pray for it a lot, but that's not the end. It's not the purpose, not the destination. We pray as if we're going to stop praying once it happens. No, not at all. It's a key and it's a step towards unlocking Korea's God-given destiny. And there is so much more. You know, a destiny that a crippled, a broken, a divided nation cannot reach. But with the reunification, it's going to break through. However, reunification also holds meaning in and of itself. And I really, I really see that. Uh, it's not just a tool to release North Korea and people. It's not just a means to set NK3. I think just the fact that um, the land will be won again, it just means the restoration of Korean identity and the beauty in its fullness. You know, the families will be united. Hometowns will be revisited. The entire land We'll be able to go see the beauty of it. By the way, when, when, when I talk about like the, you know, Koreans always say, Palto Gangsan. Palto means eight tos, eight provinces. South Korea only has 4.5 of them. So when we talk about Palto Gangsan, which is like the entire nature and beauty of Korea, we're talking about north and south. And half of we were not accessing that right now. But, you know, we're going to see all of that. And on top of it, guys, we got to believe Ezekiel 36, how it explains. When the land is under idolatry, it's under a curse. It's not producing the crops. You know, there's only tears and sorrow. You know, there is really glory of God has left, you know. So what we see right now in North Korea may not be all that glorious or beautiful. You saw some pictures or, you know, cruel winters and there's not much attraction going on there. But I'm telling you, once the idolatry, the spirit of idolatry leaves the land, God will restore the land. It's not going to look the same way it looks. It's going to produce its crops. Baekdu will be a beautiful mountain. Gumgang, man, we will have to pay money. We, it's, what am I saying? It's worth visiting, you know? It's going to be so much more glorious because God's going to restore the land. So what we see right now is what we're gonna, not what we're going to get. We're going to get so much more. And the beauty of it, the glory of it, the testimony of it will blow our minds away. Amen? <sighs> Cut that, cut that out. Um, so yeah, Romans 8, 28. God will only make Korea stronger. 
And our testimony is not complete yet, guys. And the national identity will be restored. The beauty will be restored. And God is leading us by revealing what he's doing to us. Talked about his character. Talked about revealed, gospel revealed to us. And how that leads us to believe for more. Talked about individual corporate revelation that we received. And how that we need to apply that to our prayers. And also historical signs and clues that God is giving to us just to give us a glimpse of how much more glorious it's going to be into the future. Y'all are not excited at all, huh? (laughs) I want us to end with prayer. That's what I want you to do. I just want us to pray. Man, I want us to pray. Guys, uh, you know, sometimes you pray like with the power of the Holy Spirit and you know that after you're done praying, oh my gosh, I just did something with my prayer. Have you ever felt that way before? If you haven't, try. Try tonight, okay? Try tonight. Ask Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, teach me, guide me, help me, uh, reveal your heart to me so that I can pray that's going to, prayer that's, that's going to change something in the spiritual atmosphere. And I really wanna, uh, want us to just pray Man, I didn't have, uh, I didn't mean to emphasize Romans 8.28 so much, but I guess that was the Holy Spirit as well. I want us to pray this verse over the whole reunification, the whole Korean Peninsula. You know, when we say all things, we, we mean it, right? We mean it, right? When you say all things, it means all things. That also means it's divided land and how God's gonna turn this agony seven decades of sorrow and persecution injustice how that's going to be restored and redeemed for the beauty and the good you should imagine this okay and i want us to pray like we believe it you know like romans 828 is really true and i want us to really um yeah look at the devastation look at what's going on but look beyond that and see the future glory of it. You know, man, how that's going to be restored. Man, how how the children are going to rise. You know, how Korea will be... Man, it's going to be Taehyung Manse for real, right? So I just want us to pray uh, Romans 8.28 over this peninsula. And I just want you to pray really believing what you just heard. Remember? What's been revealed to you, you're responsible for it now. Apply that to your prayer. And don't just sit there and ramble, but engage with your mind and with your strength. And I just want to encourage us to just push through tonight. Can we just prophesy Romans 8, 28, the old things over this peninsula? Let's do that. Let's pray.